uh, and all those kinds of things and, and doing and saying things that I shouldn't have. Um, but the bottom line becomes, wait, um, Lord, I still struggle. And I struggle with these things. And what Joshua is reminding us here in our decision making, and this is the beauty of it. Verse 15, he says, but if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve. Whether the gods your forefathers served beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. But as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. I think one of the things that we get frustrated about at times in the Christian life is that we think we don't have a choice. You know, once you become a follower of Christ, you got you got to live right. You got to do right. You got to be right. And God says, you can still choose. Don't blame me for this frustrated attitude that says I got to be a good person. I got to be kind. I got to be do all these Christian things. God says, you don't have to. Now I'm not going to bless poor decision making. I'm not going to I'm not going to bless your life if you just choose to go back to your old way of living. But I'm going to tell you, you have the choice to do that. And Joshua is putting up before the children of Israel. He goes, now you, you have the right to make a choice here. You can go back and serve the other gods. Or the gods of the land you're in right now. But as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. I think one of the important principles that I want us to think through today is this. What's your choice? What decision are you making about serving God or not serving God and what that looks like. You have the right under God to choose whatever you want to do with your life. You can follow the Lord. You can follow the world. Even as a Christian, you can choose that. As a, and, and here's how I mean, what I mean by that is this. I'm not saying again it's right, but how many of you since becoming a follower of Jesus, like me, have chosen willfully to sin. Anybody? Some of you, I'm not, I'm not going to be Pastor Jonathan like, well, okay, you just proved it again. Yeah. <laughs> First John 1 8 says, if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. Sorry, folks. <laughs> Jeez, yeah, God said it, not me. Okay, anyways. You can choose righteousness, though. And that's what God's word tries to convince us to do. Why? Because it's what's best for us. Not just so that God can go, yay me, I'm God and you're obeying me. Woo no. God's word is for our benefit. Amen? Do you believe that this morning? Yes. The question then is, is are we going to decide that? Or are we going to side the things of the world? And there's plenty of things in the world that can draw us away from holiness. Okay? So the question of the day for all of us is, what are you going to choose? And that's why I chose this passage. Because we have to come to the conclusion of, uh, what are we going to decide today? This Christmas season, about, it's about Jesus coming. But we can choose to make it all about presents. 
we can, we can choose it's all about food. Or just being with people that we like or don't like. <laughs> we can't pick our family. So what we, you do, there's certain things that, what are you going to choose? How are we going to live our lives? Does God give people the ability to decide good and evil or evil? Yeah. What about Christians? God does give us the ability to choose. Why? Why does God give us the ability to choose good or evil, even as followers of Jesus? Oh, free will. Okay, we have a free will. Yeah. So that we are without excuse on judgment day. Yeah. So we're without excuse. Yeah. Um, part of love means that you have the ability to choose to love or not to love. Excellent. That's a part of what love is all about. To truly love, you must have the freedom to hate. We aren't puppets on a string. Yeah. We're not puppets on a string. Yeah. If, 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 for any of you in here, I am not a determinist. Meaning everything is determined for us already. And if I do something wrong, I just was pushed. I'm the domino effect. That's determinism. Someone pushed me. You know? I'm not that guy. So I'm not that teacher. That's not where I go the theologically. I believe that, though I will say this, God is still sovereign. Even in the midst of my ability to choose, he's still sovereign in control. Okay? But I'm still that freedom to choose, just like Jesus. And just like all of us. Deuteronomy 30, verse 19. Someone read that for me. This day I call the heavens and, and the earth as witnesses against you, that I have set before you life and death, blessings and curses. Now choose life so that you and your children may live. See, again, here we see this throughout Scripture. I have set before you life and death. You can choose life. You can choose death. You can choose blessing. Or you can choose cursing. The question is, what are you going to decide? What are you going to do? But he, he said, now choose life. Choose life. Choose life. God wants to bless you. Not curse the sin that we do. The, the, the things that, that break us away from the blessings of God. He's talking to a people that are lost. And those who need to follow him. Why do people fear making decisions? Do people fear making decisions? Yes. Yeah. I'm making an assumption there, but I think it's a true statement. They're afraid of making the wrong decision. Have you ever been afraid of making the wrong decision? I have. Whew. And it could be even about little things or it could be about huge things. Okay? They're afraid of the responsibility that they follow that decision. Sometimes they go, you know what, I, I, don't, I don't know if I'm going to do that. You know, I, I talked to somebody multiple times. I keep talking to them about it. They are so gifted. They're not in this class. They are so gifted as a teacher. And I said, dude, you need to start a life group at Thomas Road. And he goes, no, no. I go, you are so gifted. You can, you can have such a great impact on people's lives. You can do this. No. I said, why? Because then on a day like you... Every weekend, I'd be, you know, having to go to church and, and teach, and I don't want to do that. Okay? Choose. 
<laughs> but you have the freedom and the beauty to do that. Are you going to use your gifts or not use your gifts? We can sit in here. Maybe God bless you with a certain gift. A spiritual gift. Not just a talent, but a gift. Are you using it for the Lord? Are you finding your place to serve? What are you doing with that gift? Are you hiding it under a bushel? <laughs> what are you going to do with it? It shine, right? Are you? That's your decision. They're afraid of what it will cost them. Give me examples other than what I just gave you of the cost of decision making. Yeah. We're maybe afraid of something. We're shunned. Maybe someone doesn't bless us the way we think we should. Crystal. Oh, I thought you, your hand was going up. I'm sorry. Tish. I think sometimes like Jesus, you, you start to see your life in, in portions that he saw when he said he was alone. And, and sometimes you got to feel like you have to walk that road alone. And Jesus had to do it. Then yeah. you can do it as well. Sometimes it's walking alone. I'll, I'll never forget. It's been several years ago now. And I'm not saying one way or another on this, but... It was a couple, I believe, from Texas. I read a news article. I still have it in my office because I was blown away by it. It was a Christian couple who heard about a child who was born without a brain. No brain. Just a brain stem. So the child could breathe, but it could not think. It could not see. It could not eat. It couldn't do anything. It just existed. And it had to be you know, on a, a feeding tube. And, and the, the, the doctors were saying, let's just terminate this child. And they said, no. You know, this, the, the, the mother's like, I, I don't want to be responsible for this baby. And a Christian couple who cared about life said, we'll adopt him. Don't kill him. We'll adopt him. They stood before the judge, and as I read this article, the judge literally said, do you understand the decision you're making by adopting this child? And they said, how could we? But we believe in life. Mm. Wow. And, it, and it, the article kept going on, and it said they lost because of the amount of work and the challenge of having a special needs child in their home, they lost every single friend. Because no one wanted to be around that child. Everyone walked away from them. That child lived till I believe at 10 or 11 years old. And at that time, they were asked, so was it worth it? You lost all of your friends. You, you sacrificed for years taking care of this child who was not even able to say thank you or love you or any show any sign other than the fact that they couldn't figure it out <laughs> but when the father would come in from work she would smile they couldn't figure out because she couldn't hear because she could feel the vibration on her body, and she smiled at Dad's home. And she would love balloons being pressed against her face, and she would giggle. 
And another thing they couldn't figure out, they played all kinds of music. She wasn't affected by it, except for Bruce Springsteen. She loved Bruce Springsteen. And smiled and giggled when they played Bruce Springsteen. It's the vibration. They asked him, what was the value of that? And they said, you know what? We lost all of our friends. But we raised our boys, and we could never have helped them to be empathetic young men like they are right now. These boys love people because of the sacrifices they made for their adopted sister. And you know, see, these are the things. What will it cost? Oh, when life will soon be passed. But what we do for Christ will last. Those are hard decisions at times, though. And I'm not making light of that. It's sometimes it's very challenging. But you know what? We can do it. They're afraid of what they'll miss. And I remind us that not deciding is a decision. Yeah, Chuck. I think a lot of people are afraid to make the decision to, to do something to serve God because they don't feel worthy yeah. of doing something. Absolutely. Or whatever, they don't feel that they're worthy to be a servant and to try to lead other people to Christ. Amen. And that's very true. And in that, that's why in this class, one of the number one things that I will continually beat the drum of is that if you're a follower of Jesus, you're a saint. You're not an oops. You're a saint. You're a child of God. You're a joint heir with Jesus Christ. You are God's daughter or son. And he loves you unconditionally. He loves you. God knows you. Everything about you. And loves you. Biblical examples of poor decision makers. We're going to go through this quickly. You know the story from Numbers 13. The ten spies. The children of Israel. Moses sent them out 12 of them. Ten were bad and two were good. That's what we say, right? The ten, they all went out. And it says, collect things from the land. Find out whether they're strong or weak. Or whether their fortresses are built up. Or they're, you know, is it going to be easy? Is it going to be hard? You go out and find out. And the ten kept up with the men who go on up with him said, we can't attack those people. They are stronger than we are. I'm going to stop there for a second. He's absolutely right. These ten spies were absolutely right. They are stronger than we are. But they're not stronger than our and there are times in our life when we make decisions that goes, you know what, I can't do this. <coughs> and God says, you're right, but you can with my help. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, right? Whether it's in the good times or in the bad times, whether I have plenty or I have little, I can do all things. They're stronger than we are. They spread among the Israelites a bad report. Isn't it true that you know, even in the religious people, when bad things happen, it easily spreads. And when good things happen, we tend to forget. 
Okay? That they had explored. They said the land we explored devours those living in it. All the people we saw there are of great size. We saw the Nephilim there. The descendants of Anak come from the Nephilim. We seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes, and we looked the same to them. And so this idea ultimately then comes down to this perspective of, you know what, God, this is too big for me. I can't do this. I can't handle this situation because it's bigger than I am. And God looks at us and says, but is it bigger than I am? Is your situation bigger than I am? I, you can't handle this in your own strength. But can you handle it with mine? And that takes faith to trust and believe in God. The land was plentiful with fruit. They saw themselves as insignificant and did not trust the Lord. What was the result? Number 14. That night, all the members of the community raised their voices and wept aloud. All the Israelites grumbled against Moses and Aaron. And the whole assembly said to them, If only we had died in Egypt or in this wilderness. Why is the Lord bringing us to this land only to let us fall by the sword? Our wives and children will be taken as plunder. Wouldn't it be better for us to go back to Egypt? And they said to each other, We should choose a leader and go back to Egypt. Let's not follow this guy. We can't trust him. Let's go back to Egypt and, and become slaves again. We'll be better off as slaves. You think through that. David and Bathsheba. Now this is a familiar passage. I know we get this. But I, I think really there's one main reason why I chose this. Someone read for me 2 Samuel 11, 1-5. Because David was supposed to be in war. The reason why he was, he was at the wrong place at the wrong time, that's not true. Okay? It was extremely common for this to happen. If, if you go to the whole story, he sent his commanding officer to lead it. Most kings did not go to battle. Most of them sent those, those that were in charge to do that because he was the king. He was responsible. So sometimes people think, well, you know, he, he, was, he should have been there, but he was there. No. That's not necessarily the case at all. So the point, though, was he wakes up and he goes up to the roof and he's looking around. He's looking over his city, a little proud. And he looks down and sees a woman bathing. Stop. There is temptation 
that will always be around us. Okay? The question is, what will we choose when we're tempted? Okay? He went on the roof and watched the woman bathe. That was his first mistake. When you, you're not, you, when you live in the world, you're going to see worldliness. Okay? It's going to be around you. You're going to have people saying things and doing things that are immoral. Okay? We were talking uh, last night. We were talking about things. You know, how the school systems, you know, it's really challenging. And some of the things that were going on. My niece, um, and, you know, was talking about she, she teaches in Richmond. And some of the things that the kids do and say, you know, and, and the things that they're doing in the school systems and all the things that are happening there. I said, you know what, in, in reality, you know, schools, I, I mean, yes, it's bad. But I remember in school, okay, this is, I graduated in 1981, okay? In the 1980 or actually 79 era, I'm sitting in my high school cafeteria. And a guy walks up to me and the cafeteria with a briefcase. And he opens it up and it's full of drugs. <laughs> you want anything? No, I'll pass. Outside is the smoking area for kids and teachers to smoke together. And we're sitting there and we're in class and we go, oh, the shop teacher's smoking weed with the students again. It happened almost every day. Our teachers were smoking marijuana with the students in class in 1980. Now I'm sure it still happens in schools. My, my point is, is that we're gonna see stuff around us all the time. We're gonna be tempted by things all the time. The question was is that it's, it's not necessarily that David should have been at war. Okay? The issue was he was tempted and kept on looking. The question for us is this. How do we relate to this? We're not kings going to war. The question is when I'm tempted, do I give into that temptation and become angry? To sin. Not angry righteously, but angry in the wrong sense. Or do I lust? Or do I become greedy? Or do I become fill in the blank? What is it that's going to draw me away from my walk with the Lord when I reject love, unconditional love to people and hate them? What is that? First John says you can't do that. You can't hate your brothers and sisters to be a follower of Jesus. But yet there are Christians who say they're followers of Jesus and hate people and won't go to the same church with them. Or if they see them, they move to the other side of the church, depending on how big it is. And all kinds of things. And, you know, and Christian couples will hate each other and end in divorce and go, I hate you, I hate you. How? How does that happen? That we hate our brother and sister. He acted upon his lust. What was the ripple effect of that decision? What was the ripple effect of that decision? 
She became pregnant. Her husband, he had her husband killed. The child got sick. Child died. The punishment of God. You see. Pardon? Well, the prophet came to him, so people found out. Yeah, the prophet came to him, the people found out. There's this ripple effect of our choices. Who does our sin impact? And I'm preaching me, but it, it what? Everybody. Everybody. You I know you may get tired of this, but I love my wife. And my wife has never judged me. She recognizes the fact that I'm a man and that I have, I, I have issues that men have. Okay? And what I mean by that is, you know, you know what I mean by that, but there, there's issues where, you know, it's like, could I be tempted at Liberty University to make a poor decision when it comes to a woman? Yes. Could I choose that? Yeah. Could could I be tempted by pornography? Yes. Yes. And she says, Lou, I know you're a man. I know you'll be tempted by that kind of stuff. You'd be you wouldn't be normal if you weren't tempted by that. So I'm not I'm not bothered by that. I'm not offended by the fact that you're a man. <laughs> Praise the Lord. <laughs> there is an alternative. <laughs> Not for me. But she says, but she said, but Lou, why would you choose to do something like that? That will hurt so many people. Don't do it. There's, there's something different about that kind of a conversation, isn't there? Yeah. That there's no condemnation. There's recognition that as a man, I could be tempted in that area. But I would be making a foolish, stupid, idiotic, dumb. Any other adjective or terms you can use to describe it, don't do it. And it's like, yes, you're right. That would be dumb. Because if, this, if you're in any ministry or any place, you see people come and you see people go. You see people making good decisions and they're faithful to the end. And you see people making poor decisions and their ministry is over. And God gives us that choice. May we all, me included, first, make the choice to be holy. Lou, is that part of working out your salvation? Yeah. It's that realization of working out my salvation with fear and trembling, living by faith, walking by faith, reading God's word, staying in God's word, staying in prayer, it's a, it's a discipline. Amen? It's a discipline. We've got to discipline ourselves that way. But there's also biblical examples of good decision makers. Daniel. Daniel 1 says, But Daniel resolved not to defile himself with the royal food and wine. And he's in a different country. He's in captivity. And he's offered the best of the best. But you have to understand, he asked the chief official for permission not to defile himself in this way. Why would the food and wine defile him? Interestingly enough, if you know about this culture, the food was typically offered to idol worship and consumed. Would that be a problem for him to consume? Yeah. But I didn't know this until I researched this. 
a lot of times they would mix wine with human blood. Because it was something in which they would, they would long for, and it was part of their power. It was a part of, you know, this is, this is who we are. And one of the dark sides of even our culture today is people who are acting as vampires drinking human blood today. Well, you just ruined lunch for all of us. <laughs> <laughs> He's not going to bother my lunch. <laughs> but you can choose that if you want. <laughs> See, what was, was the result of his decision? He says, you know what? I'm not going to eat this. I'm just going to eat vegetables. Now, he's not, he's not calling, calling for vegetarianism or veganism. He's not doing that at all. But what was the result? They were healthy. They were stronger. What? Right. They were, they were better off physically and spiritually because of the choice that they made than all the others. And it's like, okay, everybody's on the way. Imagine how the others must have hated Daniel and his friends. All right, you guys aren't going to get the, the meat and the wine anymore either. You're going to get vegetables because they look great. And you, you look a little like Lou. When the roll is called up yonder, I'll be there. But I'm happy. What other godly decisions did he make? What other godly decisions did he make? Real quick. You remember Daniel? Yes. What happened? Yeah, Barbara. He prayed three times a day, even though he wasn't supposed to. He continued to pray, even when he wasn't supposed to. And he did it with the window open. I'm not afraid. I'm not hiding it under a bushel. I'm not going to be an undercover follower of God. You know? And you, there's many things in which he did. Second example, sure, Esther. When Esther's words were reported to Mordecai, you know the story as well. He sent back this answer. Do not think that because you're in the king's house, you alone of, of all the Jews will escape. For if you remain silent at this time, Relief and deliverance for the Jews will arise from another place, but you and your father's family will perish. See, before this, she just had said, hey, you've got to understand, if I walk in front of the king's presence and he doesn't give me the royal scepter to go, yeah, come on, I'm dead. Because that's what happened last time. They had the right to kill me. You've got to understand what you're asking me to do. And he says, you know what? <laughs> you're going to perish regardless. And who knows? But that you have come to your royal position for such a time as this. Then Esther sent this reply to Mordecai. See, here's her decision. She could have chosen either way. Go gather together all the Jews who are in Susa and fast for me. Don't eat or drink for three days, night or day. I and my attendants will fast as you do. When this is done, I will go to the king, even though it is against the law. And if I perish, I perish. What a godly woman. What a role model of holiness and righteous decision making. And thankfully we know the rest of the story as well. But she was willing to die. 
If I die, I die. Her decision was not easy to make. I put why then, but I, for time's sake, I think we get it. She and the Jews fasted. Why is fasting practiced? Why do people <coughs> fast? Mindset. A mindset? To get our minds correctly thinking? To eliminate worldliness? Somebody else. Why do you fast? Discipline. Discipline. Why do you fast? Spiritual power. Spiritual power. Seeking an answer. Seeking an answer from God. We do it today because we follow the example of Jesus who fasted. God, a very God did. Why not me? And, and we're not talking about the three days or 40 days. or But do we ever practice that when, when something important needs to be decided? What was the result of her faith and decision? The Jews were saved. And you know, in our life, we don't necessarily have decisions that we make that are, have this kind of an impact. However, we might. My point is this. Is the Lord calling you into ministry? Like you may have said, but Lord, uh, what am I going to do? I, 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 how am I going to provide for ourselves, my family? What if we do this? God, what are you doing? It, do you really want me to do that? And God may save a nation through your testimony, through the work of your hands. And God can change a people. And God can use you to change the world. Principles for decision making. Decide to do the right thing ahead of time. Why is that essential? I, I, I talk to students at times and I'll say, let me ask you a question. Have you ever went on a date and you just ended up someplace you shouldn't be? Back at the apartment alone. Or what we used to call parking. <laughs> you know, we put, for those of you who are young, that just means we just put our car in park. Do a dark place. Yeah. I said, is that the time to make the decision to be holy? No. no. If you don't think about it ahead of time, you're just going to act out the feelings that you Excellent. If you don't think about it ahead of time, you'll just be acting out the feelings of the moment. And we can all have that, not just for one day, but it could be anything. About decision-making regarding money. You know, you're working for a company and you're, you're responsible for the petty cash. And something comes up in your life and you go, I, I, I'll pay it back on Monday. I just need it for Saturday. <laughs> And then someone comes to your office and says, hey, I, I, we, we, we have a party, we need that petty cash, and it's Monday morning and you haven't got it done yet. Deciding to do the right thing ahead of time. 
is important. Proverbs 18:17. in a lawsuit, the first to speak seems right until someone comes forward and cross-examines. <clears throat> you know? You've got to get all the facts for the best decision. Now, if you look at your notes, um, I actually put this in here twice by accident. Maybe, for, maybe that was a God thing. I don't know. At least that's the excuse preachers use. Uh, but actually, if you look down, I think it's the same, similar thing, letter E. Right? Maybe it's redundant on purpose. I don't know. So you decide to do the right thing ahead of time. You get all the facts to make the best decision. Don't make key decisions alone and seek God in the vice. Someone read Proverbs 12, 15 for me. The way of fools seems right to them, but the wise listen to advice. But the wise listen to advice. Now, again, you have the choice whether you listen to it or not. We have that choice. But the issue is, is are we even listening to others' advice? Are we listening to our spouse's advice? Are we listening maybe even to our children's advice? Take time to make the best choice. Proverbs 14, 15, the simple believe anything, but the prudent gives thought to their steps. Give thought to your steps. Don't just make a rash decision right off the cuff. Think about it. Probably the, the decisions, the poorest decisions that I've ever made in my life were decisions made without processing it or listening to advice. Mm. Making quick decisions. Because I think that they're right. Again, having all the facts helps us make right decisions. Okay? And then, you know, this has happened to me. I, I have sat on review boards at Liberty University in the past, and I've heard someone share, and I'm, in my mind, I'm like, oh, they're innocent. Then the next person shares, and they're like, oh, they're guilty. <laughs> <laughs> it's interesting how information changes things. I bet you hear that. You see that? You're in your position. Check your motives. Proverbs 16, two. someone read that for me. All a person's ways seems pure to them, but motives are weighed by the Lord. Our decision may be right, but what's our motive? Why are we making that decision? Will? I just wanted to testify quickly. Back in the top of uh, number one being you were saying, um, what will it cost us? And through the lens of all these pieces that you're asking us to apply today, when you're having a difficult time thinking about even the smallest decisions, think of it like a season. And seasons come and go.
and then when the time is right, it may be a new season again. So if you're having trouble with difficult decisions, look at it like a season for this lens. Good. Good insight. Finally, are you obeying God's word through this decision? Psalm 119.11, I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against thee, against you. Are we obeying God's word by this decision? We've taken God's word in our heart. We've memorized it. We're applying it in this situation. How will I decide? And if I, I've done that, so I won't sin against God. So I won't make those decisions that are poor. Am I obeying God's word through this decision? Like we've been talking in here, we've talked about the last men's group as well. 1 Corinthians 10.31 Whether therefore you eat, or drink, or whatever you do, do it all to the glory of God. Are we doing it to his glory or to our own? Let's pray. Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus, we worship you. I pray that we do so in spirit and truth. Thank you for your Holy Spirit who illumines this truth. Not my words but the words of scripture in our minds to help us apply it. God, we can all walk out of here today and go, that was a nice sermon, that was a nice lesson, that was a nice talk, and just go on with life. God, I pray that we will all choose to decide to obey your word so that ultimately we can glorify you. And God, when we do so, we are blessed. That's wisdom. Thank you, Lord, for what you do in our lives. That you chose us. That you saved us. That you filled us with your spirit. Now may we walk in your spirit and make good choices. In Jesus' name, amen. I love you all. Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year.